Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Red Lake Talk with the man, Chris Wright. How's it going, bud? Bud, I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing great, man. I mean, season's over, so I kind of have like a little relief. I got to sleep in, go to work. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah, it's amazing how much extra time we have now. So it's strange. I mean, our goose season still goes on, but um, last weekend was my last day. I got to focus on Harrisburg coming up. The great American outdoor show. So that's where my focus has been the last few days. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that was. I was um, pretty excited to hear about that sh- that show, and we're going to talk about that here in a few. But man, the end of this season. I mean, we were texting back and forth the other day. I got to do an epic. My first time getting to run like a big river spread. You're jealous, and you're like, "Oh man, it's going to be snowing all the weather." Went through all the the crappy weather and everything to set up to see about three ducks and ten geese that didn't want crap to do with us. Yeah, I was, I was shocked, like literally stupefied when you had fired back because some of my best hunts on the river are when those fronts are coming in. Um, and we had freeze up up here, but we did. So um, so I thought for sure you were absolutely going to hammer them. And uh, I, that, that was, uh, I was upset to hear that you did not and that it was uh, not what it should have been. So, uh, but that's it. Said though, you went today, correct? You went to, yeah, you went on, on on the Canal River this or today? Is that what you did? No, we're out. No, we're out, man. Oh, all yeah. right. I thought you went to the place else the next day. No, that was, was the last day. Yeah, that was yesterday. Oh, that was the last day. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, no. Wow. I did go. I did go the day before into a spot where I thought. I mean, just oh, just like still birds. And a beaver, a beaver kind of messed up that area, but is what it is. On that, I mean, he ruined a a roost, but that I mean, we still seen birds. But when yeah. you, I mean, we worked. Um, I think we seen eight ducks and eight in one group, two in one group, a single, another pair, and that was it. In a creek that, in a um, it's a big open creek that you should see more in that this time of year. And I mean, we just don't have birds. I mean, it's crazy to think the end of January we don't have birds. I mean, we got one cold front, which everyone talks about, which you you know more than I do about, like, how the Great Lakes and all that needs to freeze up to really f- produce a good season, and we just didn't have that this year. No, no. The guys up in the Mars Zone had a banner year. A lot of those guys were keeping their mouths shut to keep guys from coming up there. So, um, you know, it was, just, it, was, it was a real weird year, uh, especially for us because – um, we dealt with more southwest winds than I've ever dealt with. So, and it was just, it, it was, we never had consistent weather across the board. So we would go from, you know, 20 degrees during the day to single digits at night for like three or four days. And then all of a sudden we're back up in the fifties. So it definitely changed how we were hunting, what we were searching for. Um, the last two weeks, we've actually been finding geese pairing up. We haven't been finding the giant feeds. We've been finding um, smaller groups, or we'll find 100, 150 birds in a field, but they're spread out. There's 100 yards, 200 yards in between them. Um, ducks were solo. They're on their own. Um, 
And a buddy of mine actually made a profound statement the other day, which was that, uh, you know, it's in Ohio, Midwest corn is king, and it's been that way for a long time. But, um, you know, he said straight out, I did, you know, this year in particular, it's made me realize just how much more important finding small pools of water in bean fields or sod farms is over corn. And I, he made it, he started doing the, running the numbers. About sixty percent of the birds we took were in flooded soybean fields this year. So our last big hunt on Saturday was actually us on the edge of a soybean field that was holding a couple hundred ducks. Yeah, so it, it was a fluke thing. We even found them too. Absolute fluke. Yeah, I think my best day actually come from a hayfield. In November, it was um, it was just the right weather, rain, and um, you get that rain, man, and um, it was still plenty of geese in the area, and they wanted to work, so we made it work out, and was able to go in and shoot two limit of two limits of geese, so and a couple ducks on top of that, but yeah, I mean it's definitely like multiple times I had cornfields and they just weren't they didn't matter. Yeah, um, I think we hit we hit corn solid for we we had a run of about ten eleven days where corn fields were really producing for us. But um, two of those five fields we were targeting were actually just under, and those were actually our bigger hunts. And then it was right around New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, when we noticed the thinning and the weather really affecting birds and. You know, the patterns we'd already figured out, we had to refigure out because they had changed so much. And it was a night and day difference. So we weren't doing big group hunts anymore. You know, five, six guys, we had narrowed it down. And it was, you know, two guys or three guys. So, um, and it wasn't the giant feeds. We weren't finding geese and ducks together. We were finding them separately. So, um, and it really kind of, this was a, this, this was a vexing year. I'm going to use that word vexing. So, because once again, uh, just looking through my journal, I, I, I've never had a year we've dealt with so many southwest winds. So, and on top of that, clear skies. So, and it was about two days after North Zone closed. Those guys were covered with ducks. Covered. So, and there's a lot to be said about full moons and southwest winds and birds making that move. So they had the weather to do it. It was 45 degrees out there. Yeah, so, I, th- um, I think I think something big there that you can probably address is you kind of had to learn, like, weather trending patterns because the weather would switch so fast that you had to learn, like, okay, so it's it's warm right now, but it's going to be dropped to 20-some in the morning. What did they do last time when we had this weather trend? Because what you thought they were going to do, that day they weren't going to do the next day because the weather was going to dramatically change so much. I think that was something that you kind of had to learn. Like, okay, water's not going to be frozen, but it's going to be almost frozen. The weather's technically going to be a field day, but it's actually going to be um, a small water day because they're actually going to try to get in the small water before it freezes. I think um, scouting was key and paying attention to what was going on. Um, that was huge. I, I, and and scouting is always key, but man, we spent a lot of time, a lot of extra time watching stuff and, and, and just paying attention to the wind pressure. 
Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, that was weird because you were still on. Like, I know <clears throat> my side dropped the call because today in West Virginia, they decided that they were going to take the internet out pretty much in every town around me <laughs> for some oh. reason. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, they took out. I mean, I don't know what happened, but we were we actually lost internet in like basically all of Putnam County, pretty much where I live. Well, where I work at, and uh, part of Mason County lost power, to, lost internet, also. Wow. Yeah. Well, they're supposed to be upgrading right. our internet, and we're getting worse. But okay, we got you back. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, you were talking. Um. Oh gosh, I don't forgot. I remembered, and then like I was trying to figure out why you were gone. This this is this is hunting. No, it was we were discussing weather patterns and yeah. just how much the game changed. And like, probably the biggest thing we looked at how we hunt birds early on in the year. So a lot of smaller waters, smaller spreads. Um, and honestly, we switched over to doing if we were hunting fields, a lot more of it was in the evening. A lot more of it was in the evening. So. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love a good evening shoot, but a majority of our shoots the last few weeks, um, especially for ducks, in the evening. So it's usually that last hour between 4 and, you know, the other day was 5.48. So, and that's when things turned out. So, um, once again, it was small spreads, a lot of drink whistle, um, and just a little cotton, keeping it real simple, real easy. Um, another thing we noticed pushing, but they didn't want spinners. So spinners were firing them off right away, at least in our area. So, um, so we were using some bubble bots or some bubblers, you know, anything to create ripples. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times we took my keyless decoys out and just those subtle winds would get them moving back and forth. But so you kind of had a combination of weary hunt season, smart birds and, but they were patterning like they would. You know, early September, October. So, like I said, it was it was a challenging year, and you know, it's been a long time since we've been lean in this area. It really is, and you know, and you talk to guys at shows, and you find out they had lean years, and they're frustrated, and it was horrible, and so on. And you're you're showing them pictures of everything you've done over the season. They're just looking at you like, oh my god. So. You know, it was our time for, you know, just a lean year. And, you know, numbers were still good, but it, it was one that definitely challenged us. It was. We had a lot of on-the-spot hunts because someone would call up because they were out scouting. You know, that's another thing with the scouting. We were scouting three, four times a day. I would take the morning shift and I would take the evening shift. There was two other buddies that had time. So one would break off at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and the other one was scouting about 2 o'clock to 4. So, and that's where we were getting information as well, too. So, and then I found myself actually scouting later, like putting birds to bed and trying to figure out which directions are coming from. So I wasn't just stopping at sunrise or sunset. I was stopping a half hour, 45 minutes after sunset. Yeah, just so directionally we could figure them out. Yeah, directionally we could figure them out. So, yeah, we switched. There was a lot of afternoon shoots, man. There was. So, um, our Saturday shoot, you know, and that one was frustrating because that was that was twenty yards separated an absolutely phenomenal hunt from a good hunt, and 
you know, a lot of guys have questioned me and given me crap. Like, hey, man, you should have just shot into that, into those beans. But I, I you know, I'm a firm believer to do the right thing. I didn't have permission to be in those beans. So, and, you know, it was, it was a, a situation where we had, we had a sod farm, there's a hedgerow, and there's a bean field. And that low spot just flooded like the Dickens. And there's an easement that connects the two fields. So that's where the water was going through. So, and my property owner owns the easement, owns the entire hedgerow right up the edge of the beans. So, and we were hunting a, a pond not too far away from that in the morning. So, and we were seeing plenty of birds, but they were flaring on us. And we're like, you know, why are they flaring? Are they seeing us so on? And, you know, I got up, started looking around in daylight. And I was like, they don't want to be here. You know, I'm like, they want to be over there in that flooded spot. I'm like, that's where they're flaring. They're seeing ice. So we walk over. It's just kind of skim ice, but that's what was flaring the birds. So we went through decoys out in it. Um, by then, birds had kind of quit moving. I'm like, you know, let's just leave them out. We'll come back out in the afternoon. So we rolled out at like 3 o'clock, 3.30. So, um, you know, unfortunately, the hedgerow was all hawthorn. So that made it interesting. And, uh, but at about four o'clock, and it, it was just wave after wave of duck. So by that time, the skim ice was all completely off. They wanted in those beans bad. And we're not just talking hatters, we're talking, no joke, green winged teal, dad walls, pintails, so black ducks. It was just a cornucopia of fun puddle ducks. And when it picked up about 20 miles an hour, it was in our favor as well, too. If they overshot where they wanted to land, they had to come over the hedgerow. And that, it, as soon as they crossed that property line, for us, they were fair game. They really were. And I, I saw some, I saw waterfowl do some phenomenal things, just flipping and corkscrewing and, you know, educated birds. They just didn't, they would sit next to that hedgerow. They would not fly over it. So. And we ended up finishing with seven ducks, but it was just, it was, you know, seven single drake mallards that just flew too far over the hedgerow and cut into our field, and we thump them. So, and the crazy part is the birds in the beans, we're 20 feet from them. So we would, they would pick up, fly back around, and dump right back in. Same exact spot. So it was just, it, it was frustrating, and fun and <laughs> educational all at the same time. Yeah, that's um that's a good way to put it. The the frustration like in the middle of all the frustration, the fun is really there and it's I mean, it's sometimes it's aggravating cuz everything just goes wrong, but like at the same <clears> time you're having fun while you do it. And I think that's kind of kind of a big thing why, you know, people who waterfowl hunt, the, the more hardcore guys that, you know, they don't like, they'll, they'll pick waterfowl over deer. They'll pick waterfowl over fishing. They'll pick waterfowl over basically everything. Um, yeah. Those are kind of your guys that are more hardcore that, you know, like when it gets frustrating, like they can find the, yeah, they're mad in the moment, but they can find the fun at the end of the day in it. I think, I think probably the, the most fun we had was it was the shooting because it was only about a two second window. So, and you had to decide, are you know, are you taking this bird, are you not taking this bird? Is this bird going to fall on our property or is it falling on this other guy's property? So, um, 
And it, it, fortunately for us, everything fell on our side. I think we only had one fault in the hedgerow. Everything else fell on the sod farm in the water. So we just got the swing part up over. Um, so, and the shooting was phenomenal. So the only time we actually fired more shots so it was we had a group of four geese. I never saw them. My partner saw them. So because he was looking opposite direction, he's like, "They're coming right down the hedge. We're just stick out here. Here they come." And they were treetop height. It's four geese. So that was that was the first time we actually shot multiple. We knocked out all four. So, but other than that, it was just a single bird, and that's what made it fun. I'd look at my partner, and be like, "Hey, this one's yours." And he'd just jump out, and boom. So. You know, but it's just, like I said, it, it would have been fun to fill it. Don't get me wrong, man. We, we knocked out seven ducks and, you know, we knocked out four geese. That is a good hunt. It is. And I'm thankful for that. So, but when you're looking at, you know, pennies and gaddies and widgeon and, and green wings, you just, part of you wants to fill it, you know. Um, you know, next day we went in and uh, we, we went up in a cornfield and we, we banged out 17 geese. So we actually called it early too. So yeah, we banged out 17 and it was all beautiful because it was pairs, pairs and threes, small groups just coming in and they were breaking their necks to come in there. So, and the guys I was with, they, they, they shot real well. So we, so we ended the, we ended the season well, but man, it was, it was a hard fought season. It really was. Yeah, for sure. It definitely was. Um, but now the season's over. It's time to uh, get off to the the Harrisburg show, and I'm um, oh, yeah. sure, pretty sure you're excited, dreading it all at the same time. Uh, um, no dread. It's just it's a grind, that's for sure. Um, but man, Harrisburg every year we make new friends. We do, um, and then we, you know we we have new customers. We have guys that you know new guys that join the army that fall in love with us. So we have returning customers come back. Just to, you know our booth is always open, so guys come over and they. They want to hang out behind the booth or, you know, hey, can you, you know, I've had this call for 12 years. Can you retune it for me? You know, things like that, you know, share hunting stories and pictures and catch up and how's the family, how are the kids? So, um, you know, and then it's, you know, the show gets done at seven o'clock at night. It's a race out of the parking lot and we head back to the hotel and we've got one of those little kitchenettes and that's where, man, we, we just start making the magic happen by cooking a hell of a dinner and we'll have people just showing up. And, you know, we stuffed the room. I think the most people we've had in the room is probably 15, 20 people. So, and we eat like kings. So the place we stay at has got a little barbecue grill outside. So we've done steaks. We've done tuna. We've done, you know, full-on filet tender, uh, beef tenderloins. We have done venison tenderloin. You name it. So we eat like kings. So we, we, we solve all the problems of the world. We tell you know, lies about women, bigger lies about hunting and fishing. So it's just, it's a good time. It really is. But man, it's a grinder. It really is. So nine to seven every day. Yeah. And what's the, what's the dates on that? So, uh, it's going to run from the 4th to the 12th. 4th to the 12th. So it starts this Saturday and ends next Sunday. Yep. Yep. That'll be, uh, so that'll be a long, long days, but you know, um, what do you, what do you think you're most excited for? Like, being there i mean outside of like like is there anything special you got coming with you that you know you're kind of excited for some people to see um i started messing around with some hybrid style calls some reading the halves um 
that I really like the tone and the sound out of. So I'm going to let some guys play with those, get their two cents on it. Um, we'll let the general public try and see what they think. You know, we've done this in the past where guys will hammer on some stuff and give us some really good feedback. It, it helps us, you know, kind of develop that perfect hunt call for our, our customers. So, uh, so I'm excited about that. we got some new colors coming out as well, too, so we're going to roll those out. So, um, and it's just, it's catching up with guys you haven't seen in a while. You know, we bump into each other at shows, we cover each other's boots, so on. You know, you're, you're spending, you know, 144 hours with people. So you, you do have a tendency of bonding. So, um, you know, another thing I'm excited about too, you know, we got a couple seminars we're going to do as well too. So we're going to teach some goose tactics. Um, on top of that, I always love it when the young kids come. So those, you know, those guys that are, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old that are just getting into it, they've got that bug. So, and we always make time for them. We'll pull them behind the booth and we'll sit down and work with them for an hour or so. You know, the crazy part is, is then they'll go hit the next booth. And I've watched Field do it. I've watched Jeff do it and Sean do it. And, you know, all the guys will pull those young people behind because this is this that next generation. So... You know, we want to try to give as much information as we can and kind of share our experiences with them and be that positive influence on them. So, because that's what we want them to do for for, their, for that generation that comes after them. We need these guys. So, you know, I just, I, I love the show. It's just, it's great people. It's great guests. It's a great location over at the state fairgrounds. And I love it because that's a building you can absolutely hammer on stinking calls. So... You know, whether, whether you're just, you know, you're trying to find a new hot car, you're looking for that competition call. I've never had anyone come up and give us a hard time about guys blowing calls. So it is all about, you know, just that hunting lifestyle, no matter what it is. So, and they let the consumer um, have at it, try out all the products, you know, find what's best for them. So I really enjoy going to the show. Yeah, that's awesome to hear right there. Because, I mean, we've, um, me and some of my buddies have talked about, like, you hit that intimidation place when you go in certain places about um, it's super quiet. And then they're like, oh, here, you can blow this call. Well, it's super quiet. So, like, you don't really want to blow that call because, you know what I mean, as, as a young person, you know you're trying to blow your first call. You're going to mess up and stuff and make mistakes. Well, yeah, I mean, it's if it's, if it's loud in there and there's five booths around you and everyone's screaming on calls, well, they're not going to notice, like, whatever you do over there. Um. It's not like, you know, I mean, like some of these places you go in, if you go in just a straight store, um, say we'll use Max Pairings, for example, down in Arkansas, like, you know, there's only one counter and there's usually only one person blowing a call at a time. And I mean, you're surrounded by really good callers, just like you are up there. But the difference is like, you're the only one blowing a call at that moment. And it's very intimidating. But uh, that's, yeah. that's one thing about that. If there's a lot of noise, like you can just let it rip and just. Let those guys let those guys really help you and like you. No one never judges you really in calling. There's always a lot of guys that'll help you and kind. You know what I mean? But like, I know a lot of times it can be intimidating at first to kind of get on the calls. Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of intimidation factors. It's the, the first one is guys don't want to blow calls in front of us. The guys that build them, and that's a mistake. You you should do it. So all of us have put time and effort into building these calls. So we understand the pressure. We understand the tones you're trying to make. And what we can do is help you mimic those sounds. Or we can tune the call specifically to you. So, 
guys don't blow a call the same way I do. They blow calls differently. So sometimes you got to give them a little bit more read or take some read out, or you got to work the tone board a little bit. But we can custom tune that call specifically to you. So, and it's your call. You can now make it do everything that we can make it do. Yeah. So, uh, there's also, yeah, if they're with some buddies, they're intimidated as well, too. That's that macho guy thing. So, but when you go to shows like this, man, you're, you're spending some money. So, you know, take the time to work those calls over. If you just ordered it online, you're getting whatever the guy in the tuning room did that day. Here, though, you can physically pick it up. You can work it over. You can make some tweaks to it if you need to. And then you're walked out with a call that you helped custom tune. It's so much easier to do it when you're standing in front of me than, you know, over uh, over FaceTime so or over a Zoom meet. It's so much easier if you're standing in front of me. So you're explaining to me what's going on, what you want it to do. Because that, that's something as simple as an adjustment. So... Um, you know, another cool part of the show is you get to walk around and see the people that you see on these hunting shows. And you come to realize, man, they're not that much different than us. They just travel more. So, um, and they'll share stories with the tactics. And the crazy part is they'll listen to stories, man. I've heard some absolutely phenomenal stories from people, man, where they're busting out their phones and sharing pictures. So it is just, if you come, just, I, I always tell guys, make it a two or three day event. It'll take you a day just to get through the gun room. So it really will. And that's where you get to try the new models and shoulder them and, you know, you know, work the actions back and forth, feel that weight, you know, try to figure out your swing. So if you want to buy components and special parts for your guns, those guys are there. Same thing with knives, anything bow. You know, it'll probably take you half a day just to get through the bows. And the cool part is, is you can do demos there where you can actually draw the bowl. So... Um, the fishing room is always fun. The guides and the outfitters, that's a phenomenal room. And, man, that runs from, like, New Zealand and Argentina to Alaska and everything in between. So, you know, it's got everything there for the outdoorsman and outdoor woman. They, they really do. So, and one of these days I'm going to get you to go. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, hopefully I get to go next year. I'm going to try to put that on. I don't know if I'm getting to go to the NWTF this year or not. Um, just with everything going on, trying to schedule and be away for one day and drive to Nashville and drive back with a with a baby and stuff. It's should be eventful, but uh, it, yeah, the medical unit would just take you out with a baseball bat if you did that. Pro- so. I mean, probably so. I did. I did duck hunt an awful lot, so I got some. I got you some. Did, date, I got did. some dates coming up that I gotta make up for. So. Um, some fancy dinners and stuff, so we'll uh, we'll get that started. But man, it was awesome jumping on here and chit chatting with you real quick, so we could talk about everything going on. And um, I think we're going to podcast again next week while you're at the show, kind of get a breakdown. Yeah, absolutely, of man. What all's going on? Yeah, yeah, we'll try to get some guys. Uh, we'll see if we can't put this together. We get some customers and stuff like that to you know kind of share their two cents as well too. But yeah, we got a full lineup. So we got Andy and Justin coming out. We got Big J Maynard. Uh, Matt Loomis is coming out with Connor. And Tim, we'll have we'll have the dud there the entire week. So um, I already know for sure we got at least two dinners planned with Steve Hoover from Duckwater Boats. So, uh, but it looks like it's just going to be a banner banner show for us this year. So we're looking forward to it. And so I can't wait to talk to you next week, man. Hey, man, sounds good. Remember, everybody, make sure you check out the podcast and check out the show next week. We'll see you. Y'all take care.